Another day for no floor ever again. Not once, not never. Nope. Whose chair is that? Who bought that chair here? It's not my chair. Not my chair, not my problem. That's what I say. Welcome to Talking Giants presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick, live from the John Boy Media Warehouse mm. in New Jersey. And we got a lot to get to. I mean, we have five guys signed, five guys waived. We have an interview with Arch Stapleton, and we're just going to give you some, uh, you know, some camp talk. We're going to, you know, we're, we've done the live streams. We're not going to go through all of our notes, but just the things that stuck out, about five or six things. And we'll obviously talk about Daniel Jones as well, and mm. Aziz and Ojolari. Mm. Justin, how are you feeling after two days of Giants training camp? Bobby Skinner. Um, really fun week, um, by the way. Still have Friday and Saturday that we will be attending Giants training camp practices. Saturday's going to be back together Saturday. Not sure what exactly that's going to look like. Maybe that's going to be really, really like a walkthrough. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be real practice, but we'll see. We'll see. We shall see. Uh, but it was a really fun week. A lot of fun meeting, meet a lot of fun people. Um, and it was really cool to see the Giants actually practice. And it has been a little bit more intense than I initially thought. Um, the competition has been really fun, especially between these wide receivers and DBs. Um, we have been in a constant state of breaking out into sweat because between we're at Giants practice and the John, more here than and the John Boy Media else. Warehouse does not have any kind of AC yet. And of course, they're going to get it right after like we're done with training camp. Perfect. All right. So we, we're going to we got, you know, some bullet. Po- we, we got a lot to talk about. First, this episode yeah. was brought to you by some special people. Chris Coho. Mm. Yo, yo, yo. Duff Huffman. That's not a real name, right? Yes, it is. Mark Freelich, who's our guy, Thomas uh, Gargulio, and Ryan Schaefer. I think I know a Ryan Schaefer in yes. real life. Justin, who are these people? Those wonderful people went to patreon.com slash talking giants. Two dollars a month plus some other tiers. You get to hang out with us while we record the shows live. You don't want to miss those. Um, we tell secrets about our lives. Uh, Bobby Skinner also sent you some stickers and magnets in the mail, and you get some... Uh, Free shirts if you win the raffle twice yes, a month. which I'm behind on the raffle. I need to do, so. Do it. Uh, jump in now, and you'll get the jumping in the last one. All right, so we're going to – we got some talking points from Giants training camp, but I think it's going to start with what po- showed up the most on day one, mm-hmm. and it goes hand-to-hand with Mike Kafka. Brian Dable was asked if Mike Kafka is going to call the plays. He says they're calling the plays at – he's calling the plays at practice, but it's still decided on the season. That's been Brian Dable's answer for OTA's offseason – uh, you know, our pre-draft presser. Mike Kafka and is this, calling the plays. That is coaches keeping things that are secret that aren't actually a secret. Mike Kafka is going to be the offensive coordinator, the real offensive coordinator yeah. and play caller, assumedly up in the booth, which I would really hope for. And you see the influence all over the offense. You know, we'll go and you know, we're not going to get too detailed, but the thing that stood out to everybody, everybody, was the amount of motion the Giants are using, and specifically with Wandale Robinson and, and Saquon Barkley. You know, they're shifting guys in and out yeah. of the backfield, orbit motion, um, you know, doing full shifts, which isn't, you know, Jason Garrett did a little bit of that too. But yeah. they're doing a ton of just motion. Like, it's it's overwhelming. And they were working on red zone in day one, and that's they were doing it a lot in there, and it led to some good results too. It was motion not just for the sake of running motion, where you said, oh, Jason Garrett did it too. But that it's, it's, it is drastically different and is tremendously different because I feel like Garrett just put guys in motion just to do it whereas or just the basic running back out wide running yeah back, back which in. every single time a running back would be flanked out wide you knew that they were okay they're just going to motion in like you knew that every single time without fail and that's so frustrating as Giants fans who 
Every single year and every single summer, it's starting to get like Evan Ingram-esque. Every single summer, we're talking about Saquon Barkley as a receiver. Saquon Barkley as a receiver. Just never happens. It just never, never, ever happens. And 28, I don't even count 2018 because that, he was really like a check down option. Um, very rarely have we seen Saquon Barkley really utilized as a receiver, but it is it is going to happen this year. Like, if it doesn't, uh, I will be completely, completely shocked. That it's not just Saquon Barkley being, you know, included in that receiving game as well, where he's actually, you know, lining up as a wide receiver um, and being motioned out out there. Tony, just running all around the football field. Wondell Robinson, running all around the football field. You mentioned that orbit motion, um, whereas basically, you know, if you don't know what that is, because I didn't know what it was until Bobby kind of described it, it's basically when a, it almost looks like a receiver just running around around the quarterback, like in front and then going behind or vice versa. So it is a lot of fun. And the main thing that I took from it, Bobby, watching day one is it felt more like Mike Kafka's offense than Brian Dable's offense, which usually some coaches are a little stubborn. Kafka's influence is there, 100%. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how they work together. You know, you did see some of, like, some Dable stuff today, like the... Crosser. The big, yeah, the crosser to Kenny Galladay, the pass that Kenny Galladay dropped. That was, a that was a, you know, like a Brian Dable influence play yeah. right there. Um, and, and they had the angle route with the running back and then, like, a high-low high read with Kenny Galladay and, and Wandale Robinson. So there's obviously... It's going to be interesting to see how those two fit together because right now it's fun. They're working together. Dable's mm-hmm. not as hands-on. But then you could get to a point where, like, you know, Doug Peterson at the end with Philly, where it's like he does he's he's too free with letting his coaches make yeah. decisions. So it's, it'll be interesting to see how that balances goes to game day. Yeah. But we're only two days in, so yeah. So, but Wandale Robinson has been the guy being moved the most in all mm-hmm. of that. Day one looked really good. Um, you know, getting some, you know he had a handoff today. You you uh, you yeah, he noticed. lined up in the backfield as a running back and took a handoff like he was back in Nebraska a couple years ago. So that it I that stuff think it's it's, it's going to happen. We'll see if they run more of it in camp because there's plenty of times where we've seen stuff over the years that, oh, that's interesting that they run it in camp, but then coaches never run it again. But day two, that was, that was interesting to see. And they drafted this guy 43rd overall. It really seems, and I, Shep is out right now, so maybe we're getting yeah. maybe not the prettiest picture of it. But right now, it seems like they have a big big role for Wandale yeah. Robinson on this team. If I you remember I was struggling with the over and under on the Wandale catches, but oh, now easy. I'm 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 saying over. I think we put it at thirty five. Oh, even if Shep is ready to go week one, yes. which I still do I still do think he's ready to go week one. I'm still like saying that Wandale Robinson is probably gonna get more reps than Sterling Shepard because I think for that slot role, um if Brian Dable envisions Sterling Shepard as a slot wide receiver I think for that slot role, what they're going to be asking these receivers to do, what Wondell Robinson does, it fits perfectly for this offense. It is a ton, it, it's a lot of design stuff, which yeah. at Kentucky, that's what he got. And in a way, we used it as a critique. There's so much design stuff, so much design stuff. Well, that's what Brian Dable wants to use you know, Wondell Robinson as. Yeah, and, and I thought he was best on some deep uh, breaking routes or those corner routes. Yeah. But today on Wednesday, or Thursday, we also saw the negatives of Wondell Robinson because they were... Uh, working on third downs and on the quick game when facing man coverage he struggled he struggled to separate and that's where he needs to get better at the little nuances and details of route running Mm -hmm. because when he's running those corner routes you're getting full you know full head of speed and he's got the ability to cut and get open even if it's not the best route run but in the quick game and where a guy like Sterling Shepard is great is those little nuances of the route running and that's something he struggled with at Kentucky to get separation on those routes that aren't 20-plus yards, but those routes that are five, in the 5- to 15-yard range. You saw yeah. Aaron Robinson make a play on him, which we will talk about in a little bit. So those are the things that Wandale Robinson has to get better at. So 
We're talking a lot of Wandale. So two, Wednesday was hype, hype, hype Wandale. Thursday was kind of bring it. Okay. Yeah, a little remember, bit more Remember, check. this guy's yeah. got some stuff to work on. Yeah. I would say the hierarchy of targets in order have not written down targets, but just, you know, based off of my brain. Hierarchy of targets has gone Wandale, Tony, Saquon in the receiving game, and then Kenny Galladay four. Today, I thought Kenny Galladay got a lot of deep targets. And so let's talk. Yeah, we're, we want to talk about the wide receivers today. So let's get it. Yeah. Kenny Galladay has had some drops. You know, he had the one versus Dory Jackson in the red zone drills on Wednesday. On Thursday, he had a deep uh, post corner route that was it was really a beautifully designed play, beautiful throw by Daniel Jones. And he dropped it. And you could say Julian Love pops it out. Regardless, it was in uh, Kenny Galladay's hands. Yeah. And he didn't keep it together. But I will say, unlike Darius Slayton, who's had drops where it's very discouraging, I'm not super discouraged with Kenny Galladay because guess what? He's got a track record of catching the ball and yeah. some tight and contested situations. So I'm actually like, I'm, I'm, um, my my morale on Kenny Galladay has improved these first two days because yeah. they're targeting him and they're giving him good quality targets down the field. Like on the on today on third down where the field was a little more open unlike the red zone drills, he was getting targeted down the field. He had the deep crosser. Like, he was getting targeted downfield or, or occupying space downfield. And I'm actually – I'm more encouraged from Kenny Galladay after these first two days than I was before. Yeah, I mean, I you still don't fully know what the role is, is going to be. I mean, in fact, I, they're using Tony and Wandale so, so much – Tony's been the star. Tony yeah, has, Tony has been the star. And and Tony, like the expectation is, is that Tony this year should be more catches, more yards, higher catch rate, everything better, maybe besides touchdowns than Kenny Galladay. But even after watching how many times they got red zone targets last week, I'm not, I'm even not even sure about Kenny Galladay, like Kenny Galladay getting a lot of touchdowns and stuff like that. So uh, I'm really pumped for, for what Tony's going to do this year because they are really targeting Tony um, and and Wandale a ton. And that, for me, the role of Kenny Galladay, like you're a little bit more sure of it and you feel good. Yeah, I feel good because he's gotten some good targets, but all, I, I thought he would be targeted at least a little bit more. For me with Galladay, it's, it's about uh, quality, not quantity. Right. You know, and that's where he was using Detroit. Yep. You know, he wasn't the guy leading, you know, you know, like top of the league in catches, but he was, you know, good big yards, you yep. know, yards per catch, and then obviously the touchdowns. That's a good way to put it. Um, hopefully those come. But Kadarius Tony, like you, we were talking about before, has been the star. And in reality, the only thing that can hold this guy back is health. It's the only thing that's going to stop Kadarius Tony yep. from being a star. Something, you know, probably his biggest weakness coming out of Florida was contested catches. He's making contested <laughs> catches, like beautiful contested catches. Like Tony is playing really well. Obviously, you know, and this has been only on third down and red zone day. Imagine when you get a little more space with the guy. Yeah. Like Tony hype should be high right now. Like Kadarius, like Kadarius Tony. If there's anyone who's like, hey, this guy deserves the hype uh, through tra- you know the first couple days of training camp, and it should stick. It's Kadarius Tony. Yeah, I mean, he had the play of training camp so far on the first day on Wednesday. You know, where it was over Aaron Robinson. Aaron Robinson had really great coverage. Um, would you consider that a corner route or more of a fade? That fade. It was a fade. So yeah, fade fade route to the you know back right corner of a uh, of the end zone. Tony just goes up. Jones puts in a spot where only Tony can get it, and it, way, that was a contested catch. Yeah, flat out a contested catch. By the so way, Tony's Jones throwing play. some good end zone fades, which was a maybe you know we talked about Tony's biggest weakness. That was Jones's biggest weakness yeah. last year was those end zone fades. I thought just, there were some that he missed day one, too, but I mean it was better than you know it was better than what we've seen before from Daniel Jones. Yeah, so. so um, the wide receiver group has been like the focus that we've we yeah. put on because it's been like a seven on seven. 
Uh, it's it's just glorified seven on seven until they these guys put yeah, pads ton of, on. Ton of like, passing. Like I'm not yeah. paying attention to the O line D line really much at all these first couple of days. Yeah. Um, you mentioned okay, so we talked about Saquon the receiving game. Breida too. Yeah, Tyrod Taylor. Passes. By the way, Tyrod Taylor's looked pretty solid. Looked pretty damn good too. He had the you know a really nice throw to Colin Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets to his checkdowns earlier than Daniel Jones and and Breida man, you see the speed right away. Like there was yep. a swing pass where it's like, so. To give you a dynamic of camp, they don't tackle, obviously, especially yeah. so when they're not in pads. So a guy will catch a pass, and he'll just run to the end zone even though he would have been tackled, and the mm-hmm. crowd cheers. But it wouldn't have been a touchdown. But this throw the Breida on a swing pass, he catches it. He's got an angle on Micah McFadden, who's pretty fast himself for a linebacker, yeah. and just makes it – I mean, him to just the makes him look yeah. unbelievable. Like, it makes him look slow. Yeah. And and that Breida speed, man, it's – we knew about it, but when you see it in person and you see it on a play like that yeah. where it's just a swing pass – that's where it's like, okay, this is where this guy can actually actually make a really uh, like dent on the team. You yeah. know, you see you see like what happened in the Saints game with the Bills last year. Yeah, and why you run all that motion and you know why you have route concepts that kind of play off of each other is so like, like when you do want to check down the ball to like a swing, you know, to a running back in the in the flat or you know a little swing pass here and there. Then you have a guy like Matt Breida that can get yards after the catch. You have a guy like Saquon Barkley that can maybe break a tackle or two, and he can get the yards after the catch too. So I'm excited for that element of the game because you have the stuff that's playing off of each other, maybe trying to push the ball downfield route-wise, concept-wise, but then you have that check down that's right there readily available for you. I mean, that's what – I feel like that's how the Chiefs beat the Giants, you know, when they played him. It's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the flat and Tyree Kill, obviously, in the flat too. But those little swing passes, huge element I felt of at least what Kansas City did. Um, and that's been a huge element of the first two days of camp, both in the red zone and then on third downs. Before we move to some of the corners, we'll just finish with Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones has looked solid. You know, they on day two, it was a sloppy start, some drops – Jones was, you know, some contested bad throws in the short, but really finished strong where they completed seven straight passes. So finished strong. On day one, he looked he looked pretty good. There was the interception to Darnay Holmes who we want to talk. We're going to talk about Darnay and Aaron Robinson. That was a that was a really bad throw, and that's a that could be a uh, a game changing bad throw too. So I don't want to discount that. Um, but overall, he's he's looked pretty solid. Nothing. I would. I wish they would count sacks because I would like to see a little more improvisation. Yeah, it's, but again, it's been it's been third down and red zone, so we don't know the full and and two days. But I would like to see a little more improv uh, imp- improvising from Daniel Jones. Sure, but he he's looked solid. You know, nothing yeah. nothing crazy. Haven't seen that deep bomb yet, but he's he's looked solid. Nothing. You know, he's he's looked solid. Yeah, I don't really have any big Jones takeaways through the first two days. Um, there's been nothing besides the the bad Darnay interception that's been like, oh, that's that's kind of bad. Um, so I don't really have any huge takeaways. There's been some miscommunication between him and Wandale where they're trying to run some bubble screens and they're trying to use an outside boundary wide receiver as like a pick. Wandale's either been turning his head too late. That so was just a bad play like yeah. by the no, but team. No, that's happened a few times. Yeah. Uh, that's happened a few times throughout the first two days is that him him and Wandale haven't been on the same page, but glad they're kind of you know going through that now versus be- later. So Before we talk about the defense, today's episode is sponsored by SeatGeek. Live mm. events are back, which means you can get $20 off tickets at SeatGeek with promo code GIANTS. If you don't know what SeatGeek is, they're a ticketing app that makes buying tickets super simple. Uh, we're going to be going to the Yankees game either Monday or Tuesday next week. Uh, oh, very, very excited for that. Um, go, go Yankees! Even though they just got, they got kind of just stomped by the Mets. Yeah, 
They got a they got Andrew Benintendi. Um, that's not how you say his name. Benintendi. Yeah, Ben Ben Benintendi. Yeah, so Mets fans should be happy. Yankees fans, it's, let's let's trade for the three best players in baseball. One soda, I'm all for it. Let's do it. Whether it's football, concerts, basketball, baseball festivals, or more, SeatGeek puts tickets from all over the web in one place to make buying simple. SeatGeek rates every ticket from zero to ten and makes sure you're getting a good deal. Green means good, red means bad. Every ticket on SeatGeek is backed by their buyer guarantee, so you can Act. shop for tickets with confidence. Don't worry, we've got the hookup. Use code GIANTS for $20 off tickets at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with promo code GIANTS. Make sure you click the link in the description to download the app. Mm. All right, let's talk about the DBs. It's kind of funny that uh, we want to talk about Darnay and Aaron Robinson because you know, Adoria Jackson has been Adoria Jackson. Like He's looked yeah. solid. Had a dropped interception, which was... Ironic. Yeah. Um, so I've said Darnay Holmes, <laughs> they've kind of... You know, played been the best and the worst of themselves a little bit. In zone, Darnay Holmes lives look good. You know, he had that undercut on, on that uh, throw to Saquon Barkley in the red zone. He's just he's just been doing a good job. You know, there was some short area stuff where he did well today. Um, there's a one on one drill versus Richie James. Richie James on the podcast. Richie James got saw. I'm sorry, Darnay Holmes got sauced by Richie James. It's the summer of Richie James, and it's Richie James season. Yeah. So he had, you know, that that clip was obviously pretty bad by um by Darnay Holmes, but he he's looked fairly solid. And then Aaron Robinson has been up and down, but he's been his best in man coverage. Yes. Yes, which that that is what we what we signed up for for Aaron Robinson. Um, Darnay Holmes, uh, I the, the the critique that I had about him, um, and I think we talked about this during our camp battles pod is, you know, I I can't see Darnay Holmes' role as like a playmaker, like making these plays in this Wink Martindale defense that is all about aggression, that's all about in your face. Because a lot of what Darnay Holmes did outside of maybe that Cincinnati game um, in 2020 was just kind of. Keeping everything in front of him wasn't asked to do a ton in Patrick Graham's defense, and I was worried about how that would translate to Wink. But in camp, he has been—I mean, I feel like he's been pretty aggressive, whether it is in zone or, or zone or man. Um, you know, you look over and you're watching these 11 v 11 practices, and Darnay Holmes is making a play. Darnay Holmes is making a play, and those weren't things that you were saying very, you know, often throughout his rookie year in 2020. And then, you know, obviously the little bit that he played last year as well. Aaron Robinson has just been a lot of fun because. He is the guy that we want him to be this camp. Yeah, he's a lot. You know, he may allow a catch. He's also been targeted a shit ton. He, there has been no player that has been targeted more, whether it's second or third team. Um, no guy that has been targeted more than Aaron Robinson. That may be something that's being done on purpose. Robinson's been very physical and fun to watch. Anything from camp before we get to some news? No, no. It's been uh, it's been fun to watch. Uh, like I said at the start, um, I feel like the intensity has been pretty solid for not having shoulder pads on. It has basically been a wide receiver versus DB uh, competition. Yes. All right, news. The pup list, Shep, Gates, Parrot, we expected that, talked about it the last week, so we're not going to touch on that. The only surprise um, was Aziz Ojolari put on the non-football injury list. We yeah. talk about it with Arch Stapleton a little bit. Um, hamstring injury. That's one where, again, information is so limited, and we don't know how. Like he could be back tomorrow, or he could be back in uh, two weeks. We don't know how they're yeah. going to play this and how bad the injury is. But Hamstrings he, are funky, so you got to watch out for them. He was work, you know, working out in Atlanta when it happened. But I will say, because it's a hamstring, and because mm-hmm. it's Aziz Ojolari, this one is a little more. This is more worrisome than Daniel Bellinger. Yeah, you know, because Aziz Ojolari is going to be a huge part of this defense. You know, if if you don't have Aziz Ojolari starting, well, you got 
big question marks on the Ed's depth chart behind him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just just for me, just take it easy with the hamstring. You know, you, you, you see you see guys that struggle all the time. They have hamstring injuries over the summer, and then it takes them a really long time if they rush them back. So, um, I mean, if anything, and, the, and again, the Art Stapleton's going to talk about this, it's exciting to see some of these other guys get reps um, because the edge room is crowded in a mediocre sense, in my opinion. Yes. Where there's a lot of guys that are like, eh, you know, you feel all right about them. Uh, but there's a lot of guys that you do feel okay about. You know, Jihad Ward, Ellerson Smith, uh, Quincy Roche, who's kind of stuck to, stuck at the bottom of the depth chart a little bit as of right now. And then obviously O'Shane Zimenez, who we expect to be cut. But uh, it's, who knows? He might be a surprise <laughs> not cut. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Um, but yeah, Aziz Ojolari. Take it easy. He's a huge part of this team. So I, I hope he's ready to go by the first preseason game. Maybe not yeah. playing, in the, but back to practice by the first preseason yeah, absolutely. game. absolutely. That would be a reasonable like goal. Yeah, and also, it, I mean, from a selfish standpoint of view, I know I just said to take it easy, Aziz Ojolari, and don't rush it. But, uh, you know, we're here for Giants practices for the next, uh, you know, I guess week one is almost over. So we're here for the next two weeks. Um, and next week is really the last week that's very packed. The third week is kind of open because you have a preseason game that's thrown in there. I selfishly want to see Aziz Ojolari versus Andrew Thomas and Evan Neal and Kayvon versus Andrew yeah. Thomas and Evan Neal. So. All right, other news before we get to the interview with Arch Stapleton. Uh, it's training camp, so it means guys are getting signed and guys are getting cut. On the cut side, cornerback Maurice Kennedy. Is he going to be the backup corner? Don't no. think so anymore. Safety Henry Black, who uh, I thought had a chance to make the roster. Linebacker Justin Hilliard, who cares? He was going to be suspended for two games, and he's not good. Jabari Ellis, the UDFA out of South Carolina. Yeah. Everybody, I think everybody was got confused with Justin Ellis because they said, oh, I'm surprised to see Jabari Ellis got cut. Yeah, we never thought Jabari Ellis would make the team. Yeah. Uh, and then wide receiver Travis Toivonen, who was a favorite to be a camp favorite who's not actually good. Right. Um, but David Sills is here, and he's got number 13, and mm-hmm. he is looking strong. But the guys they added... Uh, safety Andrew Adams, defensive tackle Nick Williams, wide receiver Marcus Kemp, offensive tackle Kamal Seymour, and linebacker uh, Austin Calitro. The offensive tackle Seymour played in the USFL. I'll be honest, I don't have much on him. Marcus Kemp, he's not going to make the roster. So that's the three guys we want to talk about. We'll start with the freaking re- we're reunited with Andrew Adams. I love uh, I love reunions between a guy that was on a team and, yeah. and back, and Andrew Adams is that. And we talked about Henry Black, maybe Yusuf Corker being that four safety. Right now, my favorite would be Andrew Adams. I want to see Yusuf Corker get into that role and do it. But right now, my favorite is, is Andrew Adams. I mean, we saw him play for the Giants for a while. He's a you know, it wasn't solid bad. player. The Bucks have have the Bucks been pretty good, you know, the last few years. Yeah, yeah. yeah he played, you know, forty four percent, sixty two percent, twenty three percent of the snapshot. There was one year, twenty twenty, where he didn't play really yeah. at all. He's been gone for four years, but there's been three seasons he's played for the Bucks. He's had 118 tackles, 16 pass deflections, and six interceptions. Uh, supposedly, he's a good special teamer. I don't watch special teams, so I don't know. <sighs> don't even talk. But about I really do think Andrew Adams has the the fast track to be the fourth safety for the Giants and back on the Giants roster. Should have never been cut in 2018, yeah. but that's a different story. No, one of the things that we were talking about with the safety room is uh, just the lack of experience and the fact that there's so many young guys. There's you're going to have a couple, maybe UDFA's make the roster. You know, obviously Julian Love, he never has really gotten a huge opportunity to start on a full-time basis before. So Andrew Adams, is he is the veteran in the safety room right now. So um, I definitely think he has the fast track of being, you know, safety uh, safety number three, safety number four. Next on this list is Nick Williams, who I actually think has the safest job so far out of this defensive tackle. Um, mm-hmm. He came from the Lions. He started 30 games for the Lions the last year. 
but he needs to be a rotational guy. But the Giants needed a rotational guy. That's something we talked about, the defensive yeah. tackle group. After Dex and Leo, Justin Ellis is going to be a nose tackle. Nothing, not a very good one, but at least one who's played a lot of snaps in the NFL. There is really no rotational guy after that. DJ Davidson, if you liked him out of the draft, I didn't like him as much, but if they did, he's, a, he's still just a nose tackle. After that, it was like, who's going to be? Chris Hinton, is, he, is it going to be him? Mm-hmm. You know, Jabari Ellis, who was it going to be? It, I think it will be Nick Williams. You know, he had, uh, in 2019, which is when he made his money, he had 42 tackles, six sacks, and five tackles for a loss. Really good numbers. We talked with Robert Smith, our Bears guy, and he's like that. Those those stats don't reflect reality. Like four of the sacks were not were like almost unblocked. Okay, um, you know, but he was a starter for a very bad team in the Lions the last two years. So that he needs to come in to be a rotational player and and pass rush. He you know he attacks the shoulder and can push up field halfway decent in the run game. He's neither good nor horrible. Um, he's He'll play in like that A to B gap. I think I kind of view him as the first backup to Dex and Leo, more so Dex uh, in that three tech position. But again, they needed depth with actual NFL yeah. guys, and that's what Nick Williams provides for the Giants. Yeah, I think Dex and Leo are going to be on the field uh, a, a ton this year, uh, just the both of them. And I think they're really going to run mostly two defense alignment sets, maybe even sometimes one defense alignment sets because they really want to have as many edge rushers as possible on the field. So um, Nick Williams, if he makes the team great, I just I don't know how often he's going to see the field unless one of the main guys does get hurt. Right. Uh, and, hope, and <clears throat> both those guys have been extremely healthy. So hope, And they've been durable, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and the last one, uh, Austin Salatro, a linebacker, he's played uh, – over uh, a fourth of the snaps in 2018 and 19 for the Seahawks and the Jags. Um, he's, I'd, I'd be very surprised if he made the team. He hasn't really played the last two years yeah. for a snap here and there. He's actually been on nine squads in a four-year career. In the oh, NFL. really? You know, not always stayed throughout the season, but nine nine squads. He was with the Bengals last year. So AFC champion. Him and, him and Chris Myrick have that ch- championship wow. pedigree. Chris Myrick got some run with the ones. I mean, don't don't mm. count out Chris Myrick. This is a Chris Myrick podcast. Yeah, they're throwing they're throwing a lot of tight ends, just giving them it, first the team positions rush. they're rotating the most are the worst position. Yeah. Are the worst, you know, like you said, edge after Kayvon. Yeah. And then tight end. It's like we're just gonna throw Andre all these guys Miller. Out there. Andre Miller has gotten like first team reps. Kind of like Andre Miller though. Kind of like Andre Miller. Converted wide receiver from Maine. Check okay. out the UDFA podcast. He's a um he's a, a Rice and John wannabe. I I like him better than Rice. Or Rice and John is a Andre Miller wannabe. Yeah, it's more like it. Um, why don't you read the ad and then we'll get to Art Stapleton? Yeah, before we throw it to Art Stapleton, let's talk about Manscaped crotch discomfort hurting your game. Don't do that. Fear no more. The kings of crotch comfort, Manscaped, have spent two years, a long time, designing the most comfortable boxer briefs out there. Sleek, soft, comfortable, and flexible. I can tell because they sent us it, and I wear them all the time. The brand new Boxers 2.0 from Manscaped. They take your balls to the Royal Ball Throne. The global leaders in below-the-waist grooming have the Lawnmower 4.0. Love that thing. Use it, too. Using the trimming so you can wear the Boxers 2.0 for the chillin'. They even trademarked the jewel pouch, so you know it's serious. I think it's time you invest in your family jewels, so let's get to breathing. Let's get the bulge breathing and get 20% off plus free shipping by using the code GIANTS at manscaped.com. Get 20% off plus free shipping with our code GIANTS at manscaped.com. 20% off free shipping. Code GIANTS. Manscaped.com. Up your crotch game because once the Boxers 2.0 touch your sack, you'll never go back. I have a question for you before yeah. we kick it the arse Have sure. you noticed... 
me replying to pro football reference when they ask like can you name this player and i just respond yes or they'll put eight players like can oh, you, you just know i've never noticed that but I, you're, you're not naming the player you just say yes yeah and i have notifications on for them and then like they have eight players like who are these eight players faces on, on our home team how many can you name and i just reply all of them mm. and then it's starting to get where people are replying like no you can't name all of them and i, I was like they, i was like i, I don't want to give you the answer and yeah. cheat but they asked if i could name how many i said all of them all of them um, just for you. just the stupid things I do to keep myself entertained on mm. Twitter. Let me make How sure we don't have any breaking news before we it's go very to Arch here. Stapleton. I don't think yeah, with no breaking news. All right, wow. here's Arch Stapleton, our good friend, on the podcast. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right, we want to welcome on to the show Arch Stapleton. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, you are sitting in your famous, <laughs> esteemed, legendary chair, and we are here at Giants Training Camp. How are you? Thank you for joining us. <clears throat> I'm doing well, Justin, Bobby, and, and the throne. <laughs> the and throne. I get to be here. I love it. Yeah. That chair has traveled to North Carolina with mm-hmm. us. It's been part of other live shows. So <laughs> it's. Um, I'm not saying you have it back until you leave here with it, though, because the chair has a way of just, uh, you know, Staying away from you. Hey, that's fine. You know what? If I could donate to such a great program like you guys, I'll take care of that and, and do it. When we talk to three people, this is how we talk to three people. <laughs> we use your chair. So that's fantastic. Well, so we uh, we are here. It's cool to have, you know, the fans here. We you know, we, were, we wanted to do this the last two years, didn't get to do it. Yep. Yep. So... You guys had, you know, all the access to the Joe Judge practices. We, you know, Justin saw a little bit of it in New England, but we didn't really know. And I think that's where I want to start off. With. What is there like any big differences between a Brian Dable and Joe Judge run practice right now? Well, other than on day two, we've now been told we can't shoot video, so everybody will be following Talking Giants for video wow. practices. Huge. Uh, you know, part of that happens with all the all the pre-snap motion stuff, and we're taking videos of it and. I think there's a disconnect between the coaching staff trying to figure out, you know, should we really be putting that stuff out there, uh, you know, the media rules that it is. But as far as a practice goes, um, you know, they just focused on red zone yesterday. You know, it was just red zone. There were no plays up and down the field, no live 7-on-7 or 11-on-11, you know, down in distance. So that was different, Um, less less physical than than a Joe Judge practice. But I think... Overall, uh, it's it's similar to other things that have been at training camp. It'll be interesting to see as they move along. Um, you know, you notice the only guys on the sideline are the three pup guys and, and Aziz being there for the NFI. In years past, you know, there would be guys pulling back, being on the side, that kind of thing, and that really wasn't the case so far in the first two days. If you don't have a red jersey, you're practicing. You mentioned disease, and I want to go there with that. That was obviously a, su- a surprise, and, and he was training with, um, you know, JT Alphabet and Andrew yep. Thomas down in, in Atlanta, and then you see him on it. And like Bellinger, you don't – like the Bellinger thing, it's like, don't freak out. He was working out with Daniel Jones these past couple weeks. But hamstrings are tricky. Is there anything you've heard on Aziz, like maybe a timetable or just like the significance of it? Uh, I don't think – uh, you know, I've been watching him a little bit, working on the side with the training staff, and he's out here. You know, it's not like he's, you know, stuck in the gym trying to rehab. So uh, I would imagine give it give it a week and, and then maybe see it. I mean, that's not definitive from anyone, but I just get the sense that he fe- felt a little tweak when he got here. 
uh, they you know put them through. They were getting ready for the conditioning test, and all the guys have to do the conditioning test and get physicals. And if they don't feel like you're going to pass it, that's how you end up on either the pup list or NFI. And it's it's kind of a you know let's let's call a spade a spade. It's BS that they declare it a non-football injury list. And you know the guy's training. He didn't yeah. get hurt on a you know on a ski slope somewhere, but. It's part of the business, and the team is just trying to protect itself, and it's an NFI list, so if somehow Aziz never came back this season, the team would be able to declare, you know, money-wise, they'd be able to get things back. But I think Aziz will be back before too long. Uh, I don't think you want to, like you said, if you have a tweak of a hamstring, you're not looking to now push it forward, and then you're dealing with the problem of, boy, now he's out four weeks. We, you know, go back to... 2014 and Odell's hamstring drama, you know, out until week five of the regular season because he not only hurt it, but then got his foot caught in uh, DRC's cleat on the loose shoelace and essentially tore it. So they had to wait another four weeks. I don't get that sense. So I think it's actually good in one sense. The only promising to come out of it is I think you're going to see more of Ellerson Smith early on. And mm. I talked to him today after practice about the opportunity. He's kind of a forgotten guy, I think, a little bit in that mix. Uh, so I think you've seen a lot of KT, uh, the Thibodeau KT, not Tony, but uh, with Jihad Ward and Thibodeau. But I think you've also seen Ellerson work in for that first team. Uh, so it'll be a good opportunity for him going forward. Yeah, Ellerson Smith seems like a guy that – Wink Martindale really likes. He's long, athletic, fast, so I'm excited to see what Wink can do with him. You mentioned motion as a reason why, you know, hey, maybe the maybe the coaching staff, maybe the team is not letting you, you know, record those 11v11 uh, drills and those practices. So that has been the thing that has stood out the most through the first two days of practice for me. Now, you've been here all spring, and you've seen some stuff happen this spring, but like honestly, like I, I feel like I'm not just watching Brian Dable's offense. We saw some Brian Dable a little bit today with Kenny Galladay running crossing routes, but especially in the red zone, the motion that we saw. Yes. I mean, guys just running, you know, orbiting around the quarterback. Wondell Robinson coming in, a, a lining up at running back, actually getting a carry during today's practice. That has been the standout thing so far. So I want to get your thoughts on kind of this new look Giants offense that not only is Brian Dable heavily influenced, but yes, Mike Kafka is having his influence stamped on the offense as well. Absolutely. You, you nailed it. I I mean, and I asked Dable about that this morning because to me that's what stuck out for the red zone yep. periods yesterday is that, you know, look, we, we know what the red zone looked like under Tom Coughlin and Kevin Gilbride and even Ben McAdoo. It was spread them out and use your height, mm-hmm. basically. And with Jason Garrett, I mean, they struggled so much in the red zone that – it never looked like they had much of a yeah. plan. What was their and, approach? Yeah. <laughs> right, and I don't even mean to be you know slamming Garrett. It's yeah. just the way the offense just never developed. Uh, but now you see a plan in the red zone, using a lot of motion, using a lot of crossing patterns, floods that you know you're tr- you're challenging the defense to stick with your quick guys. Mm. You know, and you're running combos. Uh, you know, in the spring I saw uh, you know several combos with Wandell and Daniel Bellinger motioning out of the backfield and those are the kind of things that they're trying to set up uh, mismatches you know Leonard Williams talked to us just a few minutes ago 
and he was asked from his perspective. And at first he laughed and said, you know, I'm a defensive lineman, so I'm not really paying attention mm-hmm. to, yeah. to that. But I can hear the guys behind me pointing, calling a lot of, a lot of pointing, pointing yep. about what's going on, making sure you're not confusing. Because some of it is eye candy. This is not eye candy. This is they are trying to create mismatches with the guys they have. And you saw that yesterday with Kadarius Toney and Wondell Robinson, even motioning the backs out of the backfield. Yes. Uh, you'll see a lot of that. So uh, very interesting. I think it's, it's promising. The one thing that stands out to me is back in the spring, Saquon Barkley said, you know, we used to talk about it off the field, in meetings. We'd see it in the playbook. But then we would get out on the field and we wouldn't use it. And he said the first day of practice – that in the spring, he said, we started motioning everywhere. I'm getting the ball out of the backfield in the slot. And you realize and you go, okay, these guys are actually backing up what we're talking about mm. behind the scenes. And that, to me, is the biggest difference so far offensively is that they're not just talking about it philo- philosophically. They're actually doing it schematically. Yeah. And that's a, a really cool thing to see when you see basically the rest of the league taking leaps and bounds by doing it and using that philosophy. And that's why it was so mesmerizing uh, on on Wednesday. It was one, they were in the red zone doing it a ton, but it was the first day. And Brian Dable even mentioned in his presser how he was dialing some of that stuff back yeah. in the spring because it's like, hey, this is year one, not year four with the Bills. So it's definitely going to be a big part of, of what they do. Um, this might we might have just talked about it, but has there been like another big takeaway that that uh, you've had so far in this limited time? You know, the offense in that situation, uh, I think that's the biggest takeaway. I mean, you know, I think Justin nailed it. The idea that you know in the red zone they were using a lot of a lot of motion and you know, like I said, a lot of flood techniques and, and almost makes it. I don't know where Kenny Galladay is going to fit in that red zone. You know, last year when Kenny Galladay signed here. It was, he's tall, he's great at contested catches, he can be Plaxico 2.0. You know, and, th- and that was all people were focused on. I, I don't know if that's a part of this offense mm. uh, in, in the end zone, uh, in the red zone anyway. So that's one thing that stuck out. Uh, defensively, I love the fact that they're flipping Kayvon Thibodeau on, on sides, and he's going against Andrew Thomas and then Evan Neal. Yeah. And to me, you know, look – this is what the Giants are. Like, if I'm John Mara and I'm sitting in my office and I'm thinking about the, the cornerstones of this franchise, yes, there are questions on the quarterback and the running back and where those guys fit. But if I can go into next year and knowing that I have a franchise left tackle in Andrew Thomas, which I think we're all on the same page that we believe he's heading in that direction, if not there already, uh, and Evan Neal and Kayvon Thibodeau, if those are your three guys that you're building around, all of a sudden – you know, this team has answers at the right places in this league. So yeah. that was what I was thinking. Yeah, about. after the draft, that was one of our talking points on the draft podcast yep. is the first round took what's been a weakness for the last four years and turned it into the strength. Obviously, it, yep. we still need to see Evan Neal and Kayvon Thibodeau be that guy, but you've turned your tackles into a strength most likely, and then your edge rushers, if uh, you know Aziz can continue some growth. Not going to be a superstar, but some growth. Right, and I, I think – you know, yes, I, I'm looking forward to seeing when Aziz is out there with Kayvon and, and what that looks like and how much flipping they do and how much does that play off of Leonard Williams. I think what's interesting is they've been in nickel for for the entire camp so far yeah. is that, you know, having the three corners with Darnay Holmes out on the field and having just two down defensive linemen and Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams, 
Dexter, I think, is going to play a little bit more nose guard uh, and on the inside and more than what he has been because I, I think it plays to his strength and it plays to what this team needs up front. So um, that that's kind of another standout to me is that going with just two defensive linemen here and knowing that you're going to be putting a lot more of your edge guys in personnel that brings up, you know, Ellerson Smith and, mm-hmm. you know, now does he have a role in sub packages and Jihad Ward and Aziz and Kayvon, you know, Ward can play up and down that line. So he's kind of that guy who, who Wink used in Baltimore that way that, you know, he can play on the edge. He could play from the edge and then all down positions. So I, th- I like that too. So that was kind of a takeaway. The other funny thing from Wednesday I thought was Dayball celebrating Kevon, um, Kadarius Tony's touchdown catch like it was crazy, like it was an offensive offensive play, big-time play. Jones then, got in there, too. Like He yeah. got everybody got in there. But from Dable, he talked about this, the idea of being a head coach versus an offensive guy. Mm. The next, I think it was two plays later when Darnay made the play and picked off yeah. the ball at the end zone at the goal line in front of Saquon. Dable almost, it almost looked like he forced himself to go into the celebration, <laughs> almost like realizing, you know what, I'm the head coach. Like, either side of the ball, a good play and a bad play every time as a head coach. You've got to assess the bad but celebrate the good. So yeah. I thought that was also a big part. We even saw him with the special teams unit today. So oh, yeah. he, is. He, was, he, was coaching, he was coaching somebody up. I made a note. I'm like, oh, Brian Dable coaching up special teams. Yeah. Um, do you see that they also ran, uh, they, they ran like mini, very mini sprints at the end of practice today? And I'm like, wow. I thought Joe Judge was the only coach in the NFL <laughs> that made guys run. Well, we're going to take a lap. The three of us are going to take a lap oh. around that life just so for old we time's did that. sake. We, we were talking about that, how it's going to be hot at Fan Fest. And it's like the one oh, thing nice will be not having to run a lap and just be sweating. That is true don't going to the i wanted to mention the sprints i thought it was an interest, interesting part of practice i don't know if you guys caught it they were when they did ones twos and threes in the red zone they ran like three or four plays and then dable made everybody that was on the field all 22 yep. line yeah. up on the goal line and they ran those mini sprints and the purpose of that at least from afar and to hear him saying some of the things was they want he wanted to run them and then get back in the huddle mm. and run another play and see. I, I think they were almost testing their mentality a little bit. The idea of, you know, you're running your sprints at the end of practice and then it's just you relax. And I think Dable a little bit, uh, I'm going to ask him about that a little bit tomorrow. The idea that yep. it, it was a purpose, it was purposeful. It wasn't just run sprints. It was also, I want to see you guys run. I want to see you uh, expend your energy, but then get back in the huddle and let me see you line up the right way and run another play and see how that panned out. Offense, defense even started out um, yesterday's practice, so this was uh, Wednesday's practice. They started off the practice not by warming up, but by simulating a two-minute yeah. drill. And I saw even one of the ball boys was he ran up, he pulled a, a like the Dallas Cowboys versus uh, the 49ers. Yes, ran up and put the ball somewhere, but then ran back, placed it somewhere else. So then everybody else had to adjust offense, defense. So it's cool to see that you know they're they're practicing stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, and that's always the going back to Bobby's question in the beginning, the idea of a, a Joe Judge practice. I mean, I've seen a Tom Coughlin practice, I've seen a Pat Shermer practice, I've seen Joe Judge. Now, now it's down to Brian Dayball. There are a lot of similarities. Finding out the the why behind why they do some of this stuff. Judge was very good uh, at explaining why he did the things he did. You may have disagreed with why 
he was doing those things, but he did have a purpose behind what he was trying to do. I think Dable is also purposeful in terms of what he's trying to put together uh, on a day-to-day basis in terms of, you know, red zone was yesterday, today was a little bit more midfield, uh, and we'll see, you know, what tomorrow brings and then what Saturday brings. Uh, and then obviously Monday is their first day in pads, so I'm sure they're going to yeah. be doing a little bit more uh, more tackling drills as they move along. Yeah, the only difference is that I, I don't think Brian Dable's going to go into a five-minute explanation as to why he does things versus Joe Judge. I think that's the only difference there. Probably not. Probably <laughs> not. But you know what? I wouldn't have expected the Chicago uh, speech from Joe postgame either until yeah. it actually happened. Yeah, Wins and losses did. D- d- decide how the press conference is taken. At first, yeah. it was Joe Judge so detailed, everything's for a reason, and then it was all right. It's, right he's kind of nuts. Yeah, why is he talking for two minutes? <laughs> no, you know? I love wins I love and losses. Dick just are the decider if uh, press conferences are good or bad. That is true. Um, I got something. Do you do you have something like? I have something that Go I really want to ask. Ask about Richie James. Well, I I kind of wanted to – I didn't want to ask sp- specifically about Richie James, but I wanted to work it in there because I'm good at radio. So, who's a player that you think is nah, – it's tough to tell who's standing out so far. We're not even in pads yet. There's been a lot of passing, so wide receivers and corners, we see them go at it, right? But, you know, who's been a player that you think has either stood out or you think – you're, you're watching to stand out so far this camp. Spoiler alert, mine is Richie James. So is there anybody that's different for you? Richie's, Richie's done pretty well when he's yeah. gotten his opportunities. I, you know, it's one of those things where he, he's stacked behind guys who you expect to have a major role mm-hmm. on this team. You know what I mean? So where he, does he, he fit? Got some, he, he got some uh, reps when uh, I think Wandell went out for a little bit today, and then even uh, yeah. he, they put him out there as, like a, as a running back, and then they would motion him out there, yeah. and he was with the first team. So it was cool to see. Yeah, it's almost good for Richie because he's had those injury issues that maybe, mm. maybe it's good to, to not be pushing it so, so quickly early and he's yeah. hanging around. Um, I, you know, I'll give you one, and, and we really haven't talked about him uh, in the, you know, inside – media circles inside and you know Aaron Robinson mm. has quietly just done his job and he's been the number two corner They're targeting a and, ton uh, yeah and they're they're going after him and yes if you saw the Tony play yesterday Aaron Robinson was in coverage but it, it was great coverage I mean he's really done a pretty nice job uh, he's been in coverage on Galladay a couple times in the end zone and has won those battles for contested catches so Aaron Robinson's probably one of those guys where I know we talked about him a ton in the spring. We all know he can play a, a pivotal role here. He has to. Um, that So he's one of them. Um, you know, I think Jihad Ward has been, you know, you can't miss him. I mean, he's, mm. he's yapping all the time. He, he seems like he's the emotional leader of this defense. Um, you know, Ellison Smith told me that, look, you know, you guys are going to see Jihad Ward, and I think you're going to be surprised with how big of a role he plays, even if he's just kind of that guy out there constantly talking, constantly in the middle of things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that that's that. I mean, Matt Breda has looked pretty good. He's fast, man. Yeah, like, we knew looked, he was fast, but when you see him, like, catch a swing and go, it's yep. wow. Yeah, yeah, I think he's looked good. Um, the, the interior guys, I, I almost want to reserve judgment until Monday when they get the pads on. You know, Leonard Williams looking like, Hulk Hogan from WrestleMania mm-hmm. yesterday with the jersey. Big Cat showed off the mane. I think I fa- yeah, hey, that's good. <laughs> um, so I, I think we found out the culprit. Uh, and when your Huge. nickname's Dirtbag, I mm. think it was John Feliciano. Got to clip that's, that later. That's God, what I'm, I heard. I'm clipping every time the word Dirtbag is used in, in a I video I remember from the spring. I remember. <laughs> uh, so I think it was Feliciano. Even though Leonard Williams wouldn't reveal it uh, post 
practice over here when we we asked them about investigative it, journalists. Yeah, you know yeah. we we found that out. That's what I heard. It wouldn't be it wouldn't have been a stretch to just guess. From Seattle, <laughs> yeah, well. but um, you know nobody was. Nobody was complaining about holding calls yesterday when they were ripping uh, Leonard Williams' jersey. This question makes my skin crawl every time. Anytime anybody asks me it, but we're asking everybody. We'll finish off it. What's your record prediction for the 2022 New York Giants? I think when I did it after the schedule came out, I went through. I think I had them had uh, they had six wins. Um, you know, it, there's going to be some soft spots in the schedule if they can get their act together. Uh, I don't think going to Nashville is uh, an impossible scenario if they can gear up and defend. I think maybe they have an advantage there because they the Titans are who they are, but there's still a little bit of mystery for the Giants. Um, but there are some games that are they're just very, very tough. You know, playing Dallas on Thanksgiving, you know, you, you look at that and you say, ah, I don't know. Um, the Eagles are getting way – I mean, the hype for the Eagles is unbelievable yep. right now. I mean, I, I hearken back to, to 2011 when they were the dream team, mm. the idea that, oh, the Eagles are going to run away with things, run away with it, run away with it. Let's see how Jalen Hurts plays first before we think they're going to run away with it. So, uh, you know, look, I, I, think, I think they need to be competitive early on. Uh, I think – the last thing they want to be is winless when they play Dallas oh, here on Monday, on Monday night. Oh. Um, you know, I, I hear that that is when they're going to do the Ring of Honor that night. So, uh, you know, again, Giants have not had much luck with special halftime circumstances no. and, you know, playing games. But, you know, I think they'll be good. I, I think, you know, good and competitive. I just don't know if this roster is ready to compete uh, with, with the Cowboys and the Eagles in the division. Uh, I, I just – I'm just not sure that they're yet, there yet. And I think it's obvious when Joe Shane and Brian Dable are both kind of hammering home whenever they get the opportunity that it's year one to kind of reel in the expectations uh, as to where they are. So I, I think, you know, if they if they get seven wins and they approach eight wins and they're somehow in the mix in December, I think, you know, they'll be throwing a parade for Shane mm-hmm. and Dable. And, um, you know, what's interesting is the last three coaching eras here – came out of the first year with a lot of momentum and a lot of optimism. And going into year two, something happened. And, you know, I don't know if they can point their finger on it because the same thing, it happened to McAdoo, it happened to Shermer, and it happened to Judge. Can they solve what went wrong between year one and year two and repeat, you know, the fiasco that ended up happening and, and going back down there? So I don't know what you guys think as far as record-wise this year, but, uh, you know, I, I think six wins isn't a lot to ask. I know it might not make the fan base happy, but it also depends on how you get to six wins. Yep. You know, do you lose a couple heartbreakers because you just got beat by a better roster and you see Evan Neal and Andrew Thomas and Kayvon Thibodeau and Xavier McKinney takes his game to another level. Now you have cornerstones that you can build around. You know, we haven't even mentioned the quarterback uh, or what's going to happen at running back, those are the guys who are going to get a lot of the attention, but I don't know necessarily if those are the guys that I'm going to measure success in year one by uh, for Joe Shane and, and Brian Dable. Last, last question. Last, last. You're the host of the All In with Arch Stapleton podcast. Any, anything up the, coming up this week or next week that we could uh, get the – Yeah. We just anything coming up? Justin's favorite giant of all time. Wow. 
who uh, once questioned his career choice. Oh. Carl Banks. Wow. Is, is this week. Huge. And, uh, I th- yeah, Carl Banks. It dropped actually dropped last night. Uh, previewing, he had a lot of great things to say about Kayvon. Uh, what I thought was interesting is, you know, when they had you know Strahan reach out to Kayvon during the draft process, Carl Banks was also involved in that. It wasn't just Kayvon Thibodeau; it was Aiden Hutchinson as well. So uh, Carl had some good things to say about that. But I appreciate the pop, and obviously you guys proud of your success. I was there when you were just just trying to get going and. Um, regardless of what, you know, there are so many podcasts out there. This is definitely one of my favorites. You guys do a good job. And, I, I'll uh, remember our first interaction. I'll throw Danny King under the bus. Oh, Danny he King. He tweeted out the Giants signed Paul Adams as an undrafted free agent. He didn't credit you. So, uh, <laughs> did I complain? You said, Yeah, because we did. I mean, we didn't credit you. <laughs> did I? You know. I don't uh, even it, So. You know what? I've grown. I've evolved. I'm not worried about credit Danny as much King, as. Uh, Danny King hasn't. Um, he's a bad person. You know what? I had to feel your stick. I had to feel out your the way. You know, my biggest thing is I've been on the I've been on the beat for a while now, and my biggest flaw is that I come to expect that everyone needs to do the job the way I do it. And if you don't, um, I think that's a flaw that we can have today that uh, she shouldn't have. You know, like you guys are going to do your jobs the way differently than what I would expect, and. It's all flavors, you know what I mean? It's all about having fun and seeing what you're doing. And, you know, like I said, if I could have come with that rainbow wig and clown nose, I would have yeah. for... What we flavor brought would you be? Sh- We should have brought you uh, <laughs> a shirt, you know. What flavor? What flavor do you associate us with? You guys? Yeah. That's a good question. It could be a spice. It could be Probably a chip spicy, flavor. Spicy? Like arson on a no, building behind us. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, that, 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 that I'll leave time. that out. I've stopped uh, doing that because I know... Wh- you know, there's been like two stadiums that have caught on fire the last year. You probably are not <laughs> yeah. comfortable with this conversation. And it's like, man, if this happens in MetLife, like I just need to shut down all social right media or, or something. Yeah, it's yeah. right there. Carl actually had good things to say about a uh, good analogy about uh, about MetLife. He called it an uh, right now. It's an Airbnb for the Giants. Mm. It's not even their home. The air conditioning. Right. Um, well, yeah, the big air conditioner. Well, that's fun. <laughs> you guys, would you guys? I don't know. The first thing I'm thinking of is like. Like confetti cake ice cream with uh, with a little hot sauce on it. That would hot be you sauce. guys. Yeah, you guys are a little like you said, a little spicy. Let's I like do it. it. I like it. Let's do it. All right, Art. We appreciate you uh, coming on, and we'll definitely do it again sometime. And we'll. Uh, I usually I'll say we'll see us, you know, when we see you, but we're going to see you tomorrow at training camp. So yeah. appreciate you. Yeah, we'll no you. problem. Take some videos for me so I can retweet you. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to get. I'm going to give. I'm just actually no. You guys couldn't even tweet them if I sent them to no. you. Um, We'll figure out a way to we'll be retweet. Nah, we'll be retweeting talking giants. You guys, hey, look, until they come and hunt you down in the stands, you'll be uh, which is coming. So we're just wait. We're just waiting on it. <laughs> Thanks. Surprised for they haven't gotten you out of the parking yeah. lot. Yet. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Hey, Sean, you better hope I never get back in. There. I will kick your. Hey, baby, let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. That's some fun. All right, thanks again, Arch Stapleton, for coming on the pod. Now what you guys got to do is turn big league action into big winnings with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any game and get $100 in free bets instantly. Plus, all customers can combine multiple bets for a shot and even bigger payout with DraftKings Same Game Parlays. At DraftKings Sportsbook, you'll be able to bet on your favorite batter to hit a double um, on his net, next plate appearance, your favorite mm. pitcher's next pitch to be a strike, and so much more you shouldn't have bet on the yankees mets or if you shouldn't have bet on the yankees for the mets you did 
Yeah, I did my first um, ever bet. I bet $5 on the Yankees to win, and they lost. So, um, Shame. Anyways, um, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you get a pause and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code BOXING. What? Boxing? New customers can make any $5 bet and get $100 in free bets instantly. That's promo code BOXING, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. Sure. Minimum agent and eligibility restrictions apply. She's shown us her details and LB trademarks used with permission. I love curveballs in life. Not curveballs in baseball. Can't hit a baseball. We played blitzball today, and it's Couldn't fun. hit shit. Um, you, were, you really got your hands in tight. Yeah, well, you were getting me inside, and I was just fouling yeah, well, everything you, off. Well, no, you, it was really great job. Thank you. Um, I had to do, be. I had to be better than you at that because you beat me in Papa Shop in North Carolina. Yeah, bowling. I got next, you. On, I got you on bowling. Bowling. Too. I don't care. You're a bowler. Yeah. Um, it'd be like me beating you in bowling is like if you beat me in basketball. But the things where all things are equal, um, I want to win those. Sure. So I, I want to redo a Papa Shop at some point. Okay, we can do that. Um, Dave and Buster's. I'm a little disappointed that Arch Stapleton took his chair with him. I was hoping he would just let us keep it. No, it, it's time. It's, but the, now the legacy of the chair is dead. It it, it was time. You, you I know think what you he need really to do. Wanted it back. You, you know what you need to do privately. And hopefully, hopefully Art doesn't see this. When you go to a tailgate, just tweet out in the morning. I don't have a chair. Say, I know this sounds crazy, but, but I forgot, I forgot my chair. And, Again, and see if Art uh, comes comes through. <laughs> um, so. Uh, Art, Art he was, pulls up. I have my two chairs that I already have. I was like, Art, I just wanted you to come here. <laughs> uh, we appreciate Art uh, coming on. Go tell him how much he enjoyed uh, his time on Talking Giants. So um, we will we'll see you guys on two or Monday PPP. So we'll see you on Monday, and we'll have live streams to yes, on live Friday streams. and Saturday. Yes, we have so much content coming out that like we literally don't stop throughout the day. Um, so I'm actually looking forward to Sunday where we can just stop for a second. So. Yeah. But it, this has been really fun. So we appreciate you guys. We'll be back on Monday. Uh, enjoy your weekends. Until then, let's go Big Blue. John Boy Media has a new teammate. It's iHeart Podcast. What does it mean? John Boy Media shows can now be found over at the Dan Patrick Show. That's right. How cool is that? Wake and Jake and Jimmy's three things have joined the iHeart Podcast and Dan Patrick Show family. And the best part, they'll still continue to be the same shows you know and love. If you couldn't tell, we're excited about this one. And thank you guys for listening.